Welcome to the Anthro to UX podcast, where you will learn how to break into UX with an anthropology degree. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in user experience, you will learn firsthand how others made the transition, what they learned along the way, and what they would do differently. We will be discussing what it means to do UX research from a practical perspective and what you need to do to prepare a resume and portfolio. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Matt Arts of Anthro to UX. I'm here today with Maria Angelica Terrazano, and she's from Bogota, Colombia, principal design researcher at Blackboard, an entrepreneur in recovery, and has a uh, is a certified Scrum Master and product owner, which I am as well. So I was very interested to talk about that. So Maria, thanks for coming on. Would you mind telling everybody how you got interested in anthropology? When I was little, I was fascinated with Egypt and the pyramids and the mummies. So I said that uh, when I grew older, I would become to be um, an archaeologist, actually. But when I graduated high school, um, there wasn't like a professional degree for archaeology. It was uh, a specialization that you had to do once you became an anthropologist. Um, so that is how I, I began studying um, anthropology. Um, and actually, I was in between um, uh, anthropology and IT, like systems engineering. Uh, but I ended up choosing anthropology because I felt like uh, I had already um, like that mindset, like that IT mindset, but that didn't allow me to understand like the why and to go um, deeper uh, into more philosophicology um, related questions, something like that. And so that is how I ended up studying anthropology. And when you said you were between IT and anthropology, what gave you the interest in IT and where do you think you developed those skills? Oh, well, first, um, I was that teenager that used to um, damage their computer until one day my parents told me, <clears throat> we're not going to pay for more support, so you'll have to fix it yourself. <laughs> And so, uh, but I've um, I've always been interested, like in technology. I usually don't read um, uh, the manual or anything that comes with whatever I buy. I just try to get there and to figure out how I can use it by myself. Um, and uh, I was working with Linux. Uh, computers uh, when I was in high school as well. So I always had like that affinity. Um, and I, I also enjoyed researching a lot because, you, you know, you have to read a lot if you want to fix your computer before your parents get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually make the same exact joke. Oh, that's how I started. And so, um, so you have this IT interest, you end up in anthropology, but was your anthropological program supportive at all of you sort of studying or working in the IT space or was it really much more just traditional anthropology? Um, in Colombia, there are, where there were back then, 
um, two major kind of like um, academical spaces. So the first one was like fully academical and the other one was uh, really um, field work oriented. So my university was more in that academical field. So um, there wasn't really that much interest in, um, in exploring how uh, societies are working or are related, uh, are relating with uh, the technological or the IT phenomenon back then. And actually my, um, my professional, um, my degree paper was about hackers and how they are like liminal um, subjects between feeling human, but feeling cyborgs. So that was kind of like the first uh, um, take on how um, the society and how specifically hackers or those liminal uh, subjects uh, kind of like work and uh, are like being themselves in the um, like in cyberspace and in the current like the real space. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And so how did you come to pick that topic? Uh, so I mentioned that when I was in high school, I was working with some Linux computers. Mm -hmm. So that's where like most of my friends are and mm -hmm. they are part of the open software community. Got it. And so that's how I had, I already had the connections and I just went, when I went to, um, to the, to the university, I didn't, I, 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 I stayed in contact with them. And how did the university respond to that, you know, proposal when you first put it forward? Oh, that was interesting. So it would depend on who would be my um, kind of like my coach. Uh, the original coach uh, just loved the idea because it was something completely new. It meant that I had to create like my own framework to be able to analyze and to make sense out of what I was seeing um, and but then some other um, professors there I just wanted to make it more classical you know so that they wanted me to to review kind of like the power relationships and and stuff like that that I did end up analyzing but it wasn't like the the main like the main goal I just wanted to understand like how are they um, uh, creating that sense of self when most of your activities and, and what makes you that subject, what makes you unique is happening in a place where no one knows who you are. Like, how do you um, define yourself? Like, what's that identity gonna look like? And especially because um, it's not you, who define your identity. So when you are like in the soft open software community or when you are in the cybersecurity community, it's not you who call you, who call out yourself like I'm an expert, I'm a hacker or whatever. It's the community. So how do you deal with, I feel like I know enough and um, that, that I'm like a, an, an awesome hacker or something like that. But also because the community uh, knows that I am and recognize me as one, 
that is when I call, I get to call myself like a hacker, mm-hmm. but not before that. And so aside from, you know, that, that point there, what did you find and, you know, anything shocking to you? Yeah. So first that, uh, it was that, like, you can't call yourself whatever the, uh, name, uh, they, they are using like inside the community it's the community who tells you that you are one but if you call yourself that uh before the community tells you um then uh you lose all the respect there i don't they, they won't respect you at all um uh there there was that um the other thing is that uh it's a really hands-on knowledge and how you are sharing your knowledge with people. So that is how you become um, kind of like a meaningful um, person in the community. So if you're open and you're willing to share your knowledge and you are, and, and it's more that more than just uh, writing, um, uh, you know, like blog posts or tutorials that actually the tutorials don't work as much because if you do write them, that's also something funny. In in the open source community, when you're writing tutorials, you are intentionally leaving some parts out so that people have to work harder just to get to where you are. But it's kind of like they they, it's kind of like how they are um, can, if you are like testing, uh, to see if they're worthy of your knowledge, kind of like that one. Um, and also, uh, it's not just creating like those blog posts or those tutorials, but it's kind of like providing uh, a space where people get to, um, to use that knowledge and to build that knowledge. So it's completely different from what I had seen before, like everyone is so, um, I mean, not everyone wants to share their knowledge. Um, and I mean, even that even happens uh, with like the eBooks and stuff like that, that if you get to find uh, one of those really complicated eBooks or those resources, um, some people t- uh, tend to just hold to them. Like, I'm not gonna share it at all. But in the open source community, it's completely the opposite. So once you've managed to get access to that resource, you're going to share it to make sure that everyone uh, has the opportunity to review them. Because after all, the community is built um, with the knowledge that everyone um, gets to create. So it's not just like you who owns that knowledge. It's the community. Yeah, it's interesting. And so, it, you know, to tie it back to UX, there's a few things there that come up. One is, well, to tie it back to UX, both anthropology. So there's the identity concept, which is something that also a lot of anthropologists talk about and how they associate or identify 
And then in the UX space, actually, there's a lot of sharing that goes on. It is a pretty friendly community. And so maybe using that, you know, sort of as a jumping off point. First, let me ask you, uh, in, on LinkedIn, you identify, you know, as a business anthropologist. And so I'd like to know, you know, why you chose to identify as that, but also if you could somehow share your story of getting from, you know, this, this, uh, work that you did on hacker culture to, you know, figuring out that UX exists. Uh, So that's kind of a two-parter, but maybe start with the business anthropology piece and we'll pick up the UX journey next. All right. So uh, when I was an entrepreneur, um, I I was kind of like, aside from being uh, the co-founder of both companies, uh, I, I acted also as the product manager. So it meant that um, I had to figure out what the strategy for the product is going to be like and how um, am I going to interact with the different stakeholders. Uh, And definitely, uh, even though it was a a highly technical role, um, having that um, anthropological toolbox, if you want to call it like that, um, helped me to get First, to identify what the actual ask was, like what their problem was, to see if if I could solve it with my with my product or not, um, and also uh, it, it allowed me to see that usually those problems or like those challenges are are not only like IT related, but they are kind of like strategically related like there is something else going on behind the uh that that um it or technological ask that you're getting from from those uh technical stakeholders mm-hmm. and so when the, what ended up happening is that i would go there try to fix or to provide a solution for their uh, tech problem and then i ended up becoming kind of like an advisor on several uh, areas that didn't really have to do specifically with uh, telco or telecommunications. That is where my company was, mm-hmm. uh, like in that market segment. And so, um, but once I left uh, my last startup, I just like didn't know what I could do because I had um, a highly technical knowledge. Uh, I was coding. I was coding in Python, in PHP, you name it. I was managing Linux servers. I, uh, I mean, it was a, a highly technical role. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I had that uh, anthropological toolbox and I was like, okay, so what can I do? I mean, I don't have uh, a, like a bachelor's in, in IT or something like that. So, um, and that is how I ended up in, in the UX community. I was trying to find a place to myself, kind of to to build back that identity because I wasn't an entrepreneur anymore. And that was a huge part of my identity. And so that is why I called myself an entrepreneur in recovery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so um, um, while I was transitioning, uh, I got to to study and to see like what was going out there, like what are what are the current jobs for anthropologists. 
uh, and they were all talking about EX research, um, which I thought it, it made sense. I mean, we are uh, one of our uh, methodologies is ethnography, and that is what we've been doing for quite a while. Um, but what really stood out is the service design. And that is taking, again, um, kind of like defining the overall strategy for the product or the service and not just focusing on, uh, on um, a touch point or something like that. And that is how uh, it all clicked. Like my previous experience as a product manager and also uh, the anthropological toolbox because I had that uh, uh, 360 vision of the of the business and of the needs, and and I wasn't just like focused on a single like feature, mm -hmm. um, because I'm, I'm like a, a big picture thinker, uh, and so that is how I ended up becoming um, a service designer uh, at a BPO company. Um, it's uh, one of those companies that. Um, uh, that sells services for um, kind of like payroll payments, uh, contact centers, you know, stuff like that. And I got to work with financial institutions, um, insurance companies, uh, telecommunications. So uh, I had access to like a lot of markets and I got to see like what like uh, what their struggles were and their challenges, and I was also part of the innovation sale there. Mm -hmm. So I felt like everything clicked, and like I had found found uh, my niche. Um, so yeah. So you know, in this journey to UX, you've been in product roles, service design, now UX. So. Is there any one space that you think fits best, given you know your your interest in IT and your background in anthropology? Uh, I would say where I am right now. So in terms of of the UX maturity of the companies, uh, we are now transitioning from kind of like being effective and we're doing things, but there are some conversations going on about how uh, what we're doing from research is going to influence uh, the overall company's strategy and not just product strategy. And I feel like, uh, well, some uh, companies are mature enough to have those conversations. Uh, again, it depends on the product uh the maturity of the product and also the maturity in terms of ux of the uh of the team's product as well um and so now that that we have that space we are able to um use um uh some concepts from the academy for example because there is like a wealth of knowledge there and not all the companies are tapping into that uh, for example, um, and um, right now uh, the business stakeholders are really focused on how um, how this like overarching questions are going to help them 
figure out what their value is. And it's more about, uh, more than just creating the feature, but rather uh, focusing on the outcome. So, you know, you're describing the, you know, the, or the improving maturity there of the organization. Would you say that that is a result of where you are, or do you think that's also reflective of the UX scene in Colombia as a whole? I'd say both. So right now, um, well, the UX market here is growing, definitely. Uh, and there is that need for those uh, strategic roles. Um, not all of the designers want to step into that role. Mm -hmm. And so there is definitely uh, a space there. And um, But uh, again, it ties back to the maturity of the company. If, if it's like uh, one of those established companies, uh, again, a financial institution, it's harder to get to have those meaningful conversations. Like, um, uh, so uh, I used to work um, in one of the chatbots. Uh, I was designing the overall experience and also like the conversations, uh, kind of like a conversational designer, but it wasn't like the act an actual role. Um, and so, but, but my questions to the bank uh, were like, so how do you envision this? Like, where do you want to take this uh, new communication channel? Uh, and and they, they were always thinking about today, like what I, what I need to address today, instead of taking a step back and to see how this communication channel could become something else. Um, and whether it was helping their customers or not. Mm -hmm. So it was really difficult for me to have those conversations with them because they weren't ready. Um, and it's different from where I am right now, where I see and, and I hear all the time, like the business stakeholders always um, mentioning uh, the personas and the outcomes and the challenges and not just, you know, like providing lip service to it, but also like they are interested in in, in getting some answers for those overarching questions. So now, one last question about the scene in Colombia. I see when looking you know, just on the internet that both UX and service design are talked about quite a bit there these days. Now in the States, you know, UX really dominates. Service design is still kind of taking a backseat to it, whereas service design in Europe is quite popular, of course, as well. So you know, different you know, places around the globe sort of have different orientations. Would you say that one or the other in Colombia is leading? Like, you know, are, they, are more companies looking for service designers or more looking for UX or are they sort of equal? Um, I think that there is a lot of misunderstanding on what the term UX or what you, or how you are going to help the company when you are in that role. Um, so there is some overlap, definitely. Uh, but some some professionals end up like transitioning into service design, they just don't know it. So 
uh, if you are working, say, like in a software company um, where you are developing solutions, probably you won't have uh, that service design experience because you're just focused on delivering the product and that's it. Uh, but if you are in a service company, just again, like the BPO that I was in, then there is where it makes sense to have someone like, dedicated to designing the overall service. Um, and I, I feel like some, some companies uh, hire some UX professionals, hoping that they would have that uh, 360 vision of, of, of the business. And that's not usually the case. Um, and especially because uh, some companies are framing their problem as a user experience problem, and it's actually a service design. But since they're not that mature, then they they don't know they don't know what to look for. Mm -hmm. So that brings up an interesting point there. Um... Earlier, you said that designers might not be looking for strategic roles. And sort of in your last response, you also kind of point to you know, different people having different understandings and capabilities. Now, you bring an interesting skill set to the table, given your IT background and, of course, also sort of being certified in Scrum and, and as a product owner. And so I'm curious to know from your perspective um, what you think that gives you, you know, what kind of advantage you think that gives you maybe over others uh, that are in similar roles? And I ask that with the intention of kind of, you know, getting to a conversation about should other people who are training to work in UX consider such things? So again, what, what advantage do you think that confers on you? When you are designing from... Say you, you're tasked with designing a product, but that product is part of a bigger product ecosystem. And that product uh, is gonna use some of the resources that the company already has. So if you come uh, to the table with, um, with the design skill set. You would go there and you would try to uh, to identify what the user problem is, uh, what they're doing right now. Um, hopefully, you will be able to have like some co-design workshops with them to design, for the lack of a better word, like the workflows. And then you would design how the UI is going to look like, and you would do some tests, and then you would hand it over to development. And that's kind of like where you are. But in real life, um, what usually happens is that each one of the components that your product uh, is going to have probably is going to interact somehow with the resources that a company has. A database, uh, uh, the customer service, like if they are some like external services or like external databases or stuff like that. So the way that you envision your product is going to work doesn't really happen because you're not asking those questions to the technical people, like to the IT, like the architects or stuff like that. And first, because you don't know that that could happen. 
uh, because you haven't been like exposed to situations like that where you have to kind of like <laughs> work around what you've got to be able to deliver what you promised. That's one thing. And the other thing is that um, you don't know who to ask. And if you get into those technical conversations, then you, you can easily get lost or that sometimes that happens. Um, and not only in, in UX, but uh, this probably has to do also with how uh, technology works here in Colombia, is that if you don't prove your worth, kind of like if you if you don't prove uh, the architects or the IT um, staff that you understand and that you are capable to ask the real questions and that you understand uh, the um, the answers that they're giving you, they're not going to talk to you. And so it's tricky because not everyone has that IT background and not everyone has, again, like that 360 vision to know what to ask and where and to whom. And so that's how I feel uh, that um, my experience and my knowledge um, has helped me a lot while I'm like while I was transitioning, and now that I'm like uh, fully dedicated to UX, because I I, I tend to think of myself um, as kind of like a bridge between technical stakeholders and non-technical stakeholders, and uh, the developers and the users because I can translate whatever they are telling me into like the other's uh, language. Um, and so, but uh, that is how I felt like I, I needed to have more knowledge. So not just technical knowledge, but also how uh, knowing how they are working right now. So with the agile methodologies, like how, how the different ceremonies are working to know where and how I could influence those decisions. So that is why I, I, um, I certified as a scrum master and as a product owner. Um, because now I, I can also, like, I feel comfortable having those conversations. Like if you want to go like, because I, I mean, that happens. Like everyone is talking to, with, is using uh, the terms, uh, but there is like not, not, um, not much conversation going on, but just like saying um, like flashy terms. But now I know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Learning yeah. the language, one of the first tasks we have to engage in. Exactly. So, uh, you know, you, you had a little head start. Well, let me say, I would agree with you that tech skills are very beneficial in a UX role. You know, I've, my background is business and tech pretty much all the way up until I studied anthropology. And so I always have brought that into the work that I do and have always found it helpful to you know, be a culture broker to translate, as you're saying, and, and do recommend such things to everybody else. But I don't always get to talk to people on the show who themselves also kind of come from a tech background. So, you know, if you were to do this all over again, or if you were to make recommendations for somebody else who didn't grow up, you know, breaking their computer and playing with Linux, what you know, what kind of skills would you recommend that somebody develops today? Because, and let me like preface that by saying not everybody's going to go out and pay for certain certifications, right? So, you know, you can't do everything. So what would you think is maybe most effective to get 
to develop other skills that UC UX researchers could benefit from. That could be the tech skills, but it could also be other things like business and strategy. You know, whatever whatever you think. What what's what would be best for people to to engage in? I would say that it would depend on what your end goal is going to be. So if you if your passion is design and you want to have you know like an impact um, in the overall process then uh, just learning how um, how tech works and by let me rephrase that like it's not like learning to code is not as difficult right now as it was a while I mean Python is pretty simple um, but it helps you to connect the dots like that's the beauty of programming that you get to see like each one of the elements and inside your head then you arrange them and you get an outcome you get an output and that's it and so when you are and and be if, if you learn how to code then you would also understand how a developer's mind works and so that helps you kind of like empathize with them because when we're talking about being um, uh, uh, empathic to our users, it not only uh, relates to our external users or to our external customers, but also the internal customers, the product teams, uh, the product managers, the developers. And so I feel like that is where the overall UX community could be um, there's like a, a, some room for improvement there, like mm -hmm. also being empathetic with our developers. And that means trying to get into that developer mindset. Um, and if you, if what your, if your, one of your goals is to influence the overall, um, company strategy, then, um, that is how, uh, like those certifica certifications uh, for product manager or, or, or product owner, or even just learning project management skills will get you there. Because, and this is like an entirely different conversation, but um, the way that some teams and that some, some areas of the, of the companies think of UX is like, that we have no process whatsoever. Like we just wake up someday, someday and uh, we decided that we were going to go with this design and that's it. And um, if you are lacking that project management skills, then uh, the teams are not gonna feel comfortable with you taking the lead or managing some projects. And once you get that buy-in, like, showing them that there is like an actual process and that each one of the questions that you're asking has, you know, like a goal in mind. Um, that's when you get that seat in the table. And I know that everyone talks about wanting to have that seat in the table, but that seat is because you have proved yourself worthy of being there. And that is that you are okay with, um, engaging with business stakeholders and that you get to prove your business case like the why we're going to do this using hard data and tying it back to the company strategy 
And, and, and so uh, that kind of conversations is what gets you in the table. And unless you, you're able to manage like the projects, like the small projects, um, it's going to be almost impossible for you to get to earn those spaces. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point because, you know, th- having the seat at the table comes up frequently, especially there's, you know, somewhat of uh, some people talk about how we don't have much influence ultimately, right? We hand it over to a product manager manager, and you know, they may or may not necessarily adopt every all the findings and and look to have them implemented. And so, uh, you know, increasing our influence is important, but I guess that brings up the point that we don't o- only have to also work in UX roles. And so, you know, given your experience, would you recommend like product roles to other anthropologists? Do you think that's a fit? And uh, do you see other roles that you think would be a fit for anthropologists, given all your sort of tech background? Yeah, definitely. A product manager is something that we can do. Um, because as an anthropologist, we are focused also like in the bigger picture. Like we are connected the dots outside uh, what we've gi- we've been given, you know, like uh, we try to look past whatever we have um like in that first uh approach to to the concept or to the situation or whatever um but also uh, uh roles in innovation it's where we can um have you know like a greater impact especially because it relates to culture so and and I feel like that's some, that's one of those spaces where the anthropologists haven't really explored that much. But if if you take a look at the design thinking methodology and how everything is like laid out there and the double diamond and 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 so with that kind of process, it's it's kind of like the same that we've been doing all along, like discovering. Well, how people are doing things right now, like what what they are doing, uh, what they're struggling with, uh, to understand like the why they're doing it, and so that's kind of like where we where we have been like working all along. But if if what you want is to influence, then you have to move into the next step of the process, and that is uh, the solution discovery and the concept validation and that the whole process is part of the innovation um, activities that that you get to do in a company. And again, we're working with culture, like because uh, the change aversion is true, like it happens everywhere. And you have to earn that trust again. And you have to prove that your process is something that uh, people could and should um, and should trust. Um, and so you would be talking again with a lot of people trying to understand how they're working right now, like what are they are, um, who the key stakeholders are, who are like behind, like the power behind um, the curtains and stuff like that. Uh, and there is a, a great opportunity for us to have that greater impact if we are part of the innovation, um, either an innovation cell or um, 
an innovation um, team in, inside a company. So that's one thing. Um, and also uh, when it comes to employee experience, mm -hmm. like in HR, especially now with a great resignation, I feel like there is there we, we could provide so much insight on why people are leaving the companies um and it it's more than just saying oh it's the millennials or it's the baby boomers and whatever uh or the centennials even um and i feel like there is some space there it kind of relates to user experience but the approach is completely different uh and if if you've because usually what happens is that people get frustrated because they don't see the change happening fast. Um, but it doesn't matter if you are a designer or an anthropologist. Uh, I mean, that's how people kind of like react to, to the different circumstances. But if, if you want to have that impact, like if, if you want to see the outcome of what your research and what uh, your activities uh, have uh, have had over like a group of people, then definitely going into employee experience is something that you should take a look at because uh, the results are there like within a month. It's amazing. And you get to, to have that well, people really, when you're doing uh, that kind of activities, um, first, people are eager to talk to you. That is different from like working in UX. <laughs> <laughs> and second, um, they are, uh, they really care. The, the fact that you see them, so usually what happens is that in a company, you're just a number and that's it. But when you as an anthropologist are approaching to them, just to learn how they're doing their daily course or uh, their day-to-day -day activities, uh, what their struggles are, how are, are they relating with uh, their managers or with their coworkers, um, it's amazing how people react. Like when they thank you, it comes like from the bottom of their heart because you heard them. And that's complete. I mean, that, I mean, that, that doesn't, it, it doesn't happen like that when you're in UX, like it does sometimes, but it's not always, uh, it's not always like that, but especially in, in employee experience, uh, you get to have like that, um, that emotional satisfaction that you're actually improving someone's life. Yeah, I think the employee experience is a good recommendation. It's, it's something I haven't really talked about yet um, on the podcast. And it reminds me that I, I need to get somebody on uh, who's dedicated in that space. But uh, I also thank you for sharing everything you think about product. You know, I... I would suggest that other, I too suggest that other anthropologists look into those roles. Uh, I've also had in the past um, somebody who's an engineer themselves. And while I agree with your earlier comments that, you know, I think having a, an understanding of how um, writing, you know, code 
you know, having that understanding helps you sort of empathize and, and just understand the process. My guess is that's also not going to be, um, you know, the main thing that people look at after UX, you know, jumping from anthropology to engineering. However, there is a, you know, there's a sort of a, a middle of the road there, which is we also probably have, you know, we also have the opportunity to work with data science and contribute, you know, helping with our explanatory power, kind of helping explain why, right, within the data. And so, do you have any experience down in Columbia? Is, you know, what's what's the data science community look like down there? Are they open to working with social scientists? And is there any kind of, you know, nice relationship happening there? Um, not much. Uh, but I'm guessing if if someone is to make that first contact, it should be the anthropologists, not the developers. Because how how they are, how they work, I mean, how they understand things. So that's one thing. But I have, uh, I know uh, an anthropologist who is also a data scientist. Actually, two of them. Um, and I feel like that, that kind of shows that anthropology is evolving because back then when I graduated uh, from the university, I probably was one of the few uh, anthropologists that coded anything. Mm -hmm. But now, because, and, and I feel like it's, it's almost like cutting the middleman. Like if you're able to get into the data itself and to ask the questions that you want to get answers, um, and again, arranging the query in a way that it makes sense to you, um, you're going to get a wealth of information there. And sometimes trying to, to explain to what you're trying to, like the information that you're trying to get to a data scientist is, is complicated. But it's not because they don't understand. It's because we are not prepared to, like, to tell the story in a way that they understand. Um, and so, it, again, it would depend if you are, because there are some anthropologists that just love data. Um, and if you're able to deep dive like into the data itself, uh, it, it opens like uh, a world of possibilities. Uh, and I feel like if you are able to have that like data mindset, um, it helps you a lot, especially when you are creating that business case and when you are sharing it with stakeholders. Because, and this is like a sad story, but <laughs> um, data and numbers rule the business. Yeah, for sure. Still. And that's likely not going away anytime soon. Or in fact, it might even be increasing with, you know, the, uh, with the love of, uh, big data and AI and et cetera. But um, great. So thanks for sharing all that. I appreciate your tech perspective, uh, you know, as an anthropologist. What's next for you? And I don't mean, you know, company, per, you know, from a, a different company, but I mean, you you obviously have varied interests, um, you know, from tech and strategy. And so, you know, what are you going to try and do to make yourself a better researcher? Is there any skills that you want to pick up? Um. 
Um, I've been exploring uh, like the quantitative methodologies um, a lot. Like I've been using the Kano analysis a lot. It's it's great, um, especially where I am like right now, because you get to have like that hard data. So it's not just I went there and asked people like if if you want to take a look at like uh, the population and what they answered and how uh, I created like this matrix, like go ahead, you can do it. Um, and and um, again, because it's one, it's not one of the most common methodologies to use. There are ones like the most known, like um, the user interviews or the A-B testing um, or the usability tests or even uh, a heuristic analysis but they are not like that, they don't provide that much hard data. There is still a highly qualitative component to them. Um, and uh, I feel like that's kind of like where I am right now, like to share that knowledge with people, like there is much more to UX research than just doing interviews or usability tests. Like we can be as precise and as uh, uh, and we could have uh, kind of like that methodology, that rigorous methodology or that rigorous process that that all like the development teams have. Mm. Like we can be as rigorous as as you want to but it is it isn't uh, about what the stakeholders want but what i want to have for my process and that is why like everything in 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 the ux research team is like mapped out and it is part of a of a process and the process is nicely outlined and it has like all of the questions that we're, that we're gonna ask here and this is what we're gonna do with the information uh so that whenever I'm approaching like the different stakeholders. It isn't just because, oh, I just woke up one day and, and thought this would be the greatest solution, but rather like this is my process and this is where you and I can work together to first identify the outcome. That That's like something, uh, that's another conversation that everyone's like so, so uh, focused on the feature instead of the actual outcome. Um, but uh, going back to my point, um, it's uh, we're gonna identify the outcome and this is where we're gonna work together to find the solution and then test, uh, validate the solution with potential users or customers. And this is how the overall dual track uh, agile process is gonna look like in terms of research and design. So that's kind of like where I am right now, like trying to establish the process uh, to get that buy-in. Yeah, very good. Well, um, sounds like a good, good project to be working on. Obviously, we'll help with you know, gain trust from your your team, help you know improve the maturity, all the things that you talked about today. So, I uh, thank you for sharing what you're working on. Is there anything 
you know, work related or outside of work that you're also engaged in that you'd like to just maybe mention or, you know, feel free, take the, take the floor to kind of plug anything you might wish. Yeah, I'm also part of the UXPA chapter in Colombia. And um, that has helped me a lot. So that is also something that I wanted to uh, to, um, to share with you. And that is when, when you get into the UX research or into a UX design field, it's good to have, you know, like a coach, like a career coach or like a mentor, someone that you can reach out to whenever you have questions. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just about, oh, what methodology should I use in this case? But it's someone who is going, who is willing to share with you like their struggles, like because there is no need to reinvent the wheel. And so I strongly advise everyone who is thinking of moving into the UX um, field to try to find a coach or a mentor because it helps you a lot. And especially when you are dealing with complicated situations, they've been there and they can share uh, how they approached uh, that situation in the past, what worked, what didn't. And, and it helps you a lot because when you are coming from, so when you are proposing say a solution or a, or a path uh, forward uh, specifically to that situation, um, you're coming from your experience, but also your coach experience. Like it's not just you alone uh, facing that situation. So that really helps. And that is where I feel like having those communities, like the professionals communities, is definitely something uh, that we should all try to create and to grow uh, because the discussions there are different. Uh, there are some spaces, like if you're just transitioning into UXD, then uh, knowing what tools to use is, is great, like uh, what methodologies to use also. But when you are having, when you, when you have that professionals community, then the conversations are around research ops or design ops or what kind of research repository should we should we use? How are we are we communicating the research results to the stakeholders? Like or, or how do I get that buying? Like how do I get the product team involved? And and it's like a different level of conversation. Um, and that has to happen. If we, if one of our goals is to take our companies into the next UX maturity level, um, and I feel like that that situation doesn't have that much visibility right now, at least in Colombia, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there is a huge opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. Well, great advice for sure. Um, so. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, you know, whether in Colombia or really anywhere to learn more about your perspective, how can they find you? Uh, they can find me in LinkedIn. Uh, I'll share uh, the profile link. Yeah, I'll link to it. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, Maria, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Okay.
Well, thanks, Matt, for having me. Have a nice day. Take care. Thank you all for listening to the Anthro to UX podcast. To learn everything you need to break into UX, visit anthrotous.com. There you will find all the podcast episodes and career coaching resources. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.